This episode of the Kutu Muay Thai Podcast is brought to you by PMTLifestyle.com, authentic Muay Thai lifestyle by Kutu. Definitely go check out the website at PMTLifestyle.com for some awesome lifestyle merchandise. That's for those of you out there either involved in Muay Thai, looking at getting involved in Muay Thai, and embrace a healthier lifestyle to live the life of Nak Muay. Go check it out. Hello, I hope you are having a great day. So this is from the... Q&A portion of Angela Chang's seminar we had at Pu'u Muay Thai Santa Barbara on July 30th. If you get a chance to go to any of her seminars here in the U.S. when she visits in the future, definitely go check her out. Make sure to follow her on Instagram at Angela Satan. Sit back and enjoy the Q&A. Okay. Waiting for the room <laughs> Okay. Any questions? Yes. Um, what was it like going back to Thailand post-COVID fighting? Um, it was nice because I, like just before my eyes everything started opening up and uh, I actually got a lot of fight opportunities when I got back. I was just dealing with some health issues so I didn't get to fight as much as I wanted to but um, definitely a lot of fight opportunities now so if you guys are planning on going out there anytime soon you'll be able to get on a show no, no matter where you are. It's really nice to see. So you were able to jump back in, it wasn't like a slow, like gradual, hey, I'm gonna get back into competition. It was like, once they said you're able to go back and compete. I mean, once I was in shape, you started getting good fights. Nice. So, yeah. Cool. And, and you know, once you've done the training for a long time, when you optimize, it's really quick. It doesn't take me as long to get back into shape there. It's just really getting used to the community. That's yeah. very difficult. <laughs> How long did it take you to get climbing into that community? Probably about like a week, a week and a half. The jet lag bothered me more when I went. Yeah. Um, it's just nothing like waking up at like 2 a.m., not being able to go back to sleep. And then you got training at like 7 a.m. and you're going to lunch. So. Any other questions? Yes. How many amateur fights did you have here in the U.S. before you moved to Thailand? Four. Four? Yeah. Over the course of like two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah. It took a while. Yeah. And then it wasn't really my intention to like go pro per se. It was more like I'm, oh, I'm gonna stay in Thailand for a little bit of time and just fight as much as like, I could because there's not a lot of red tape there when it comes to fights. So I just wanted to accumulate the experience. And then next thing you know, six months turned into six years. So I had to go pro. Like no one in their right mind is gonna let me fight amateur anymore. Yeah. That in mind, was it harder? competing out there and coming back to the U.S. to find fights knowing that you were competing a few times in Thailand? Um, a little bit. Uh, when I fought on Freedom Fighter in November, uh, I got matched up pretty quick, but they found me someone who was like a head taller than me to fight me. Um, they're, I, like, I guess people who actually do fight at 115, there's not a whole lot of pros. And then like the, the, the pros are like Janet Tan, she's in one championship. What, what is she gonna do fighting me on Freedom Fighter? She's not gonna do that, you know. So there's, there's, the, the pro scene in the U.S. It's, there's a lot of work to be done. There's it's a lot. Of work. That's why so many people here just stay amateur because that's how you keep busy. You go pro and you don't get fights. So. The, um, the fight classes are kind of new to me and I don't understand them. So like, what fight class are you in versus like? I know it goes by weight, but I was like reading things about like 
maybe flyway or those all those different classes. Okay, so, oh, okay. So the, those are just the names for the weight classes. So then, like, depending on a sanctioning body, like atom weight could be like it means 105 pounds, or bantam weight means 135. Pounds. So those are just like cute names for the. <laughs> Yeah, nice. yeah. But in terms of like the fight classes, uh, there's A class, B class. Oh, I think there's also C class too, depending yeah. on where you are. A class is just it's full rules with the elbows, and uh, depending on the country, it could be gear or no gear. And the B class would usually be modified rules, so no elbows or full gear. Just depends on where you are and what it is that they're talking. Yeah. yeah, it is very confusing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the thing is, like, there's so many sanctioning bodies in this country, and each of them vary <laughs> by their rule set. So it's really frustrating as a fighter here to kind of just like try to adapt every single fight count. Yeah. Is that what you mean by red tape? Like one of the things? That's that's one of the things yeah. I mean by red tape. But also here, it's like you know you gotta do so much stuff just to fight. Um, I mean, I understand it. Like you know, you have to if you're fighting with elbows, you should definitely get tested for like HIV and stuff like that if you're gonna bleed on people or right? people are gonna bleed on you. So that's kind of stuff I get. But it just it's just extra steps. Things like that are just extra steps that you don't have to do in Thailand. So in Thailand it's just a matter of like you show up and you're like, oh you want to fight? Okay, you fight, that's it. So it's very easy to accumulate that experience. Yeah. Some people here they don't have health insurance. If you don't have, have have health insurance, don't get me wrong, maybe you shouldn't be fighting. But if you didn't want to fight then it would be like an extra step of like oh I gotta pay for it. All this stuff out of pocket and stuff. So wow. that's that's that, that's just one of the things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, when you're not fighting, do you walk around with your fight weight, or do you are you up more? I'm up a little bit more. So I used to walk around maybe seven to ten pounds heavier than my fight weight. But since I started weightlifting, my my walking weight has gone quite a bit down. So now I walk within five pounds of fight weight. Um, and because of that, I try to find opponents at a lower weight, um, but they, they couldn't really find me anymore. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's great. I don't have to cut as much weight. I'm happy. <laughs> I hate cutting weight. Yeah. Do you still get nervous before you fight? Yeah, I do. It's, when I first started fighting, I used to get nervous, like, my very first amateur fight, I was nervous like a month out. I couldn't sleep. I was like, think about the fight that's going to be like a whole 30 days away. Now it's like... Uh, I don't get nervous until right before I go in the ring, but I still feel it. It's just is like, there anything specific you do that works? Like, like as time has gone by, you use it, you use it like a pack. I, I, like I, I focus a lot on the game plan, right? So I, it's very easy to kind of focus on the wrong things, right? Oh my god, I feel so tired. Oh my god, I feel so sleepy. Oh my god, she looks so big. Oh my god, this. Oh my god, that. Just focus on the game plan because as a fighter, that's what you're there to do. You're there to fight. So I try to focus all my efforts on what's going to happen next, as opposed to getting into my own head and defeating myself before the fight has even begun. And I, and I see a lot of people do that, even professionals. They go through a lot of those mental struggles for themselves before they start fighting. Yeah. How do you cardio? Meaning, how do you develop habits of doing cardio because I know that's very helpful in just training in general so you don't gas out, right? Right. So uh, what I used to do, I used to run like six, seven miles every single morning before training. And what that did for me was it taught me what it was like to train when I didn't want to train and wake up early 
and uh, just do the things I didn't want to do, but do them because I had a goal in mind, right? That being said, I do think that long distance running every single day is a little bit overrated if you're just talking about cardio alone. Not about mentality, because I do think that kind of training is very good to make you tough and show you what you're made out of. But in terms of like cardio alone, you benefit more from doing a mix of things, not just the long distance endurance training. Yeah. So what I do is maybe one day I'll do sprints, another day I'll do like a three mile run, another day I'll lift weights a certain way, so on and so forth. Yeah, I was gonna say, because as a woman, actually, I would think, considering hormones and things like that, we can overtrain in doing running for too long, and it can affect your hormones in a way where you won't even continue losing weight anymore. Yeah, the, the thing with like being a woman, hormones and all that stuff, it's it's tricky stuff. It's tricky stuff, and there actually, when I started, there just wasn't really any information on it. But now there's a lot of uh, coaches, with, especially within like the weightlifting industry, they tell you how to train based off your menstrual cycle. So it's like, it's like, okay, this week, if you're feeling tired, feel free to take the break because you're not gonna be able to give it anything. This week, you're gonna, you're gonna have more moments that stimulate muscle growth, so feel free to lift more weights that week. Yeah. So there's more information these days, and if you know, and you pay attention to the patterns within yourself, you can make it work for you. Yeah, I guess I was curious if you have been learning about that or anything from that, because I actually was just reading about that as well in the four different parts within the one cycle. Mm -hmm how your body actually is going to even benefit in what you're doing. So you can message me on Instagram, and everyone else can message me on Instagram. I have like a PDF file that I see from someone else that sent it to me. It's super, super helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Any other questions? Yes. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? <laughs> Chocolate chip cookie dough. Mm. But it has to be non-dairy, because yeah. otherwise I cry. Totally. Uh, how do you decide your favorite? Um. Honestly, I didn't. In the beginning, uh, because of my height, before I started fighting, one of the coaches was like, oh, you're gonna fight at 105. And at that time, I was like, I was like 120 pounds, and I was, I was young. I didn't know how to lose weight or cut weight without starving myself. And I was like, okay. And I didn't know what I was doing, and my weight just wouldn't come off, because after a certain point, your body is just like, it just shuts off. It's just like, no, we don't wanna do this. We're just gonna hold on to everything. The thing is, a lot of people are like, oh, my stupid body this, my stupid body that. But actually, your body loves you, which is why it's doing what it's doing, right? So, um, for my very first fight, my one of the, the senior coaches was like, okay, we're going to get you a fight at 115 pounds. Very doable. All I have to do is just cut, like, 7 pounds. I was like, okay, better than cutting 15, right? Uh, so, I did it, and then that was just kind of the weight I stuck with. And luckily so, now if that's like the hot way to be when you look at like one championship and stuff. So if I went any lower, I probably would have had a really hard time in the beginning learning how to lose weight properly and stuff. And also, um, if I did go lower, then I would have a hard time now maybe trying to get to one championship because they don't have anything lower than one. So uh, I didn't really choose it. I know some people, they do. And if you have a difficult time making the weight you do now, this is too long, just talk to your coach, just be like, hey, I don't think this is doable for me. Can we do like five pounds heavier, ten pounds heavier, something like that? You don't want to kill yourself anyway, because then you're too tired to fight, and what's the point? You know, you train so hard so you can do well in the fight, and you call all this weight, and you're depleted, exhausted, and then you're not performing. So. Mm. Any other questions?
about future Michaels? So, uh, plan to stay here in the U.S. and compete or? No, I think I'm gonna finish out the rest of my fight career in, in Asia, in Thailand. Uh, like I said, there's not a whole lot of fight opportunities for pros here. For professional fighters, you're lucky to get even three or four fights a year here. If I stay in Thailand, I can fight every month if I wanted to. You know, so it, you know, you, a fighter's career is just so short-lived. You don't want to waste it just waiting around. And you know, promoters they don't want to they don't want to pay here. Yeah, all these amateur fighters to choose from. So it's just kind of like, it's so good for the amateur fighters, but also it's not good for the, for the pro fighters. But also it's not good for the amateur fighters because now they don't have that next thing to aspire uh, to. Aspire for. What's, uh, what's, who's somebody you want to fight that you haven't fought? I want to fight Janet Todd. Janet Todd? Yes. All right, so are you trying to get on to one FC? Yes. So uh, a couple of years ago, someone actually reached out to me to offer me a contract. Uh, this is like during the lockdowns when Thailand was still shut down. So there weren't a whole lot of us to choose from in terms of women. That oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. When they're doing the fights, like still. They're right? doing the fights within Bangkok. And yeah. You had to be in Thailand. Um, the guy didn't come and negotiate the contract with me, so they found someone else. And then this had this like just a couple months ago. I was put into that that tournament, mm. the Road to One tournament. Um, it's a tournament to win a one championship contract. So. I was in it, but then my last fight on Thai Fight, uh, I don't know if you guys watched it, but I hurt my ribs. Mm. I finished the fight, but I hurt my ribs after, and they hurt for like a month. And it was like the worst injury I ever got in a fight. So then I told the manager, the manager spoke to the promoters, and then they were like, okay, for the first round, we'll give you a bye. And I was like, okay, but for the second one, it's gonna be in August, right? They're like, yeah, well, I'm like, well, I'm gonna be here teaching. And so they're like, well, we can't give you two byes, so we just put you in a second. So, hopefully when I go back, all those opportunities are still there. Mm. Yeah. Um, besides Janet Todd, who else is there in your weight class that you know of that's on your radar? There's Celeste Hansen. Yeah. Uh, she's an Australian, Australian, yeah. Yeah, she's very good. Um, there's Barbara Aguirre. She's mm. Brazilian. She fights out of Phuket Fight Club. And there's also Alicia. She's the one oh, championship yeah. champ. Yeah. She's also my weight class. Yeah, that so. makes sense. And we got Stamp. I'll fight all of them. I'm not... Yeah. Will you fight them all at once? <laughs> <laughs> Bring it up. <laughs> I had a question. So, MMA is a relatively new sport, but it's like the combat sport that most people think about here, and it's almost like every year, like, there's a new aspect that's introduced, or at least, like, introduced more, and it kind of changes, like, the way everyone else goes in the fight games. So, like, as you get more wrestlers, you see more wrestling heavy MMA approaches. As you see more Thai boxers, you see like better striking combat in MMA. Have you seen like the popularity of MMA and other combat sports influence at all the way some techniques are popularized in Muay Thai? Or do you think that it's established enough and like separated enough that it really hasn't changed at all with outside influences? Especially I, with like more Westerners in Thailand. Right. Yeah. So that's a good question. Um, in Thailand, there's still very much Muay Thai purists. So then, unless that person is specifically a MMA fighter, they just teach you straight up Muay Thai. They don't try to adapt it in case you want to do it. They're like, oh, you're here to train Muay Thai, I'm just going to teach you Muay Thai. Why would I teach you Muay Thai for something else if that's right. not what you are? So in Muay Thai, they're still very much curious. When you come here, you know, you got like the Dutch style, you got all these different styles of kickboxing. There are, I guess, in a lot of ways more versatile in a way. I'm not sure if that's a correct word, but... 
meaning that it can very easily transition into like maybe kickboxing or or uh, someone will do some very unorthodox, unorthodox things that you don't see in Thailand. So I would say in Thailand, they're still very much like, this is our thing, this is how we do it. I don't want to see that weird stuff that you saw on TV again. Yeah. Any other questions? So um, I I graduated school and after I graduated school I was working in a sales position and also as a physical therapist aide. So my original goal was to go to physical therapy school after staying in Thailand for six months. Uh, so then basically what ended up happening is, is I got waitlisted and then. I heard from the school like way too late, so I just decided to stay in Thailand and kind of just like see how far I can go with it. So now what I'm doing is I do I do freelance social media management and also some like subtitle editing for like Netflix shows and stuff like that. So it's just kind of like one of those skills that you pick up when you're trying to just learn new things, something yeah. flexible. Because how far do you think someone can go having ways I know being their full time? I, I mean, look at Janet Todd. Yeah. Janet Todd has a full career yeah. as like a, literally a space scientist, yeah. you know. So I, I do think if you're good at time management and just you're okay with sacrificing like a social life, you know, maybe not dating and stuff like that, it's possible. It's not easy, but it's possible, you know. And I, and I know that's not something a lot of people are willing to give up their career. So I guess there's stability in that. But, you know, if you did decide to focus more on Muay Thai, then you would get what you want out of it faster, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, like it, it took Janet a very long time to get to where she is now. And she's, she's almost 40 years old, right? She's almost 40. She's like 36, 37. Yeah, she took a, like a, I think like six year hiatus from training, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it did take her a while to get to that point because she had a full-time career, but it's not impossible. Yeah. Well, if there's no more questions, let's take a photo. Yes. Alright, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Putu Muay Thai Podcast. As always, if you enjoy the content, please, please, please go visit the online store. Go order some merchandise, uh, leave a written review. All that stuff helps us continue to grow and provide content for you. And I know that there's a lot of you out there. Shout out to anybody that's reached out to us on Instagram. Be sure you're interacting with us on Instagram and on TikTok. Let us know you heard this episode of the podcast. We're happy to reach out. If you have any questions or anything we'd like to address, any topics, please, please, please send us a DM over on Instagram. Have a great day. Sawadee Cup.